in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Hello there, listener. Gabby Dunn here. Are you feeling cold? Come warm yourself by the dumpster fire that is my financial knowledge. Look, I'm perfectly aware of the fact that some of you know who I am because of BuzzFeed. I guess I welcome it. 
BuzzFeed has a huge audience, some 11.3 million subscribers to their main YouTube channel at last count. And I did a lot of great work for them, which they shared with that audience, including some of you, who, having discovered how awesome I am, are now going to listen to me sit in front of this microphone and tell you how sinister and nefarious BuzzFeed can actually be. In the words of Alison Raskin, life is a beautiful journey. BuzzFeed was great for my career, but it doesn't define my career. And that's what I'd like to talk about today, because they really really wish that they did define my career. I'll bet some of you suspect that Allison and I left BuzzFeed because we were ungrateful. And that's fine. That's fine for you to think. Because what I'm about to tell you is why you're wrong. Allison and I started working at BuzzFeed because, like a lot of people, we thought it was cool. Our Facebook walls filled up with the exact same witty, woke videos you see on yours, clever observations about LGBTQ culture. Vicky, do you think she's hot? What about her? Do you think she's hot? Vicky, do you think she's hot? Ooh, what about the dark hair girl right there? Is she hot? Well, just because I'm gay doesn't mean I think every girl is hot. Insightful commentary about millennial life as a person of color. Why do you think watching Korean dramas and K-pop makes you an expert on Korean culture? Like, does me watching girls make me an expert in white culture? Just like you, we watched those videos and others like them and thought, damn, BuzzFeed gets it. BuzzFeed gets us. But here's the problem. BuzzFeed isn't a person. It's a company. And companies don't understand you. They just want you to think that they do. People are like, oh, I want to work at that place that seems fun. Everybody seems like they're having a good time. Like my friends could be there. I could see myself there. That's a great way to get people to apply for jobs, even if they don't know anything else about the company. That's Bloomberg reporter Rebecca Greenfield. And she says companies will try all kinds of things to make you feel like they understand who you are. In the case of BuzzFeed, people see the videos we just played you clips from on their Facebook wall and they think, wow. I should really check out more of the stuff at BuzzFeed. They are speaking my language. Now, this, of course, is bullshit. BuzzFeed doesn't speak your language. The writers of those videos do, which would be fine if BuzzFeed credited them for creating the content. But in both of those clips, the writers and performers are not listed in the video or on the YouTube page where the video appears. When I first started at BuzzFeed, it's not like I didn't notice that I was being woefully underpaid. $25,000 less than a fellow writer, you may recall from a previous episode. And it's not like it didn't feel shady to me that BuzzFeed claimed to own everything I created there outright. But they distracted me from these suspicions with perks. Perks like massive Golden Globe parties at farm-to-table restaurants or celebrity guests coming through the office all the time. You could meet Jordan Peele. You could hang out with Good Charlotte. Rebecca says this kind of thing happens all the time. Perks are cheap, basically, right? Like a ping-pong table... You, uh, you could probably buy a ping pong table. I could buy a ping pong table. That is much cheaper than like the most expensive thing for companies is what they pay their employees. So to provide a ping pong table is a really cheap way to make people happy. There are a lot of startups or companies that have these fun perks to get people in the door who think it's fun in lieu of giving them really the benefits that they want, which is health insurance and salary not a ping-pong table. Obviously, the perks I mentioned at BuzzFeed are much more expensive than a ping-pong table. But consider this. If BuzzFeed were to pay all its writers and performers the Writers Guild or Screen Actors Guild minimums for the work they do, I think an open bar and a photo opportunity with the band du jour starts to look a lot more favorable for the bottom line. That's the thing. All of this is about the bottom line. All the hipster branding and seemingly edgy content, it's about selling you something they know you want. Whether you're the one watching the videos or the one they want staying in the office late into the night writing and editing those videos. When I worked at BuzzFeed, 
I would often leave the office on a Friday afternoon only to see coworkers posting Instagram pictures of themselves still in the office at 11 p.m., helping themselves to the free beer provided by the company. The same company that wasn't paying them anything close to a salary that matched the hours they were putting in. As Rebecca reminded me, this is exactly why companies like BuzzFeed offer free beer. You are not making that much money, so of course you're going to take the free beer over going and paying $5 for a beer around the corner. So BuzzFeed gets exactly what BuzzFeed wants. The amazing skills and ideas of its employees delivered efficiently thanks to the insane hours said employees are putting in, with relatively minimal investment on the part of BuzzFeed itself. And they do it all by making the employees think they're giving them exactly what they want. It's bleak, y'all. And that's why Allison and I left. Thankfully, we came into BuzzFeed with our own sketch comedy and advice channel just between us. And we're fortunate that so many of our BuzzFeed fans followed us to JBU. Others aren't so lucky. They don't come in with their own projects. And that's when things get really grimy. Remember earlier when I talked about BuzzFeed owning everything you make for them outright? That's because most of the people who get hired as content creators for BuzzFeed sign contracts signing over their creative control of every single thing they do for the company, regardless of what the company chooses to do with it. BuzzFeed takes your web series and turns it into a movie? You're not seeing any of that money. And you'll likely watch your idea butchered by someone else who might not even have any idea who they're stealing from. BuzzFeed signs a deal with a Japanese fast food company and uses your likeness to sell cheeseburgers? Good luck collecting those royalties. According to these contracts, you're not entitled to any. But they gave me free beer and 20,000 Instagram followers. I thought I could trust them, you might say to yourself. As Rebecca explains, that's when it hits you. The perks are there to distract you. You realize in that moment that your employer is your employer and the relationship goes from being like someone that you trusted and cared about to somebody who doesn't care about you at all, actually. (laughs) And it's kind of a slap in the face. Few artists know this better than Brittany Ashley. Brittany wrote and starred in tons of wildly successful projects for BuzzFeed, like Lesbian Princess, an original script by Ashley, who also plays the title role. To date, the first episode has been viewed over two and a half million times. My princess, you're more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. Cool, thanks. I'm yours forever. Like, forever, forever? Ride with me to Glendalea. Your castle and our marital chambers await. Yeah, I'm good, actually. Based on the success of this and many other projects at BuzzFeed, Brittany was offered a role in a miniseries called Gentified, which she accepted. It was produced by America Ferreira, and it seemed like a great opportunity for her. But it came with a steep price, which was her job at BuzzFeed. The company fired her when it found out she'd appeared in the project, citing its non-compete clause. As BuzzFeed Motion Pictures president Zay Frank wrote in a company memo shortly afterwards, quote, Being a part of BuzzFeed is a full-time job with many benefits and opportunities. And as with any full-time job, you are expected to be fully committed to your work and collaborating with your colleagues while you are here, end quote. A few days later, Brittany joined me in the studio to talk about her experience. My name is Brittany Ashley, and I am a writer slash I act in things um, that generally are centered around kind of like LGBT content or comedy or, you know, gender stuff. Or weed. Or weed. Yeah, that's a big, (laughs) big theme. That was the funniest comment. People being like, no, we won't see her and Chris being stoners anymore. And I was like, that's what you miss. Yeah, that's that's my legacy. (laughs) Um, So have you made videos outside of BuzzFeed? Like, were you making stuff independently on a channel? Do you have a channel? I don't have a channel. Um, I generally write longer form things that nobody ever sees except for (laughs) myself. Um, But yeah, for the most part, 
a majority of my video work has been with um, beep fuel. <laughs> beep fuel. <laughs> but um, so I think a lot of people don't realize that you can be in a lot of videos, but you're getting paid per video. Like before you worked there full time. Um, I did not get paid for every video. There was a <laughs> long period of time where there was no money whatsoever. Did you think like I'm appearing in these videos, I should get money? Or did you think like, well, I should be grateful that I'm going to be shown to millions of people? Uh, maybe in the beginning, I think I was thinking like, well, this is such a great opportunity. But then after a while, it's like, OK, now I know that other people get paid for this type of work and I feel like I'm worthy. And it's a lot of self-help stuff. Yeah. Well, it's a very weird thing of like some people are paid and some people aren't. And it right. kind of depends on. I don't even know what it depends on. It kind of like was seemed very random. Yes. And then you were also working at a restaurant. Correct. That's kind of always been like my side gig. Yeah. I took a nap today and I had a dream that I was back serving at my restaurant in Chicago and I woke up with the biggest panic attack and oh like canceled God. a meeting immediately after. <laughs> oh my God. Great. So, um, so can you talk a little bit about getting recognized on the job? Yeah. Um, I think visibility in general has just always been very weird to me. Um, especially because I've always wanted to be a writer. And so for me, I didn't really think many people would see um, my face. And then when you obviously put a face to it, people think that you're fair game. But being visible in the service industry when you have to cater to people is such a fucking weird, uh, weird feeling because someone can tell you how much they loved, you know, your writing or your work. And then you have to ask them, like, if they want more water um, and also when it would be like kids or people who didn't really understand that them seeing you on their computer screen meant that you don't do anything else or that you don't have to do anything else. And so I think that was a weird thing. You you would have to like see the wheels turn in their head of like, but why do you do that? Did you ever have to explain it or how do you? Kind of. Um, since I was kind of there towards somewhat of the beginning of BuzzFeed video kind of taking off. For me, I didn't really know how big it was to the outside. So it was always really strange to me when people would recognize me because I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, that's so interesting because like when we would watch TV as kids, I guess like and watch TRL, I guess that's what like BuzzFeed is to yeah. kids today. So for me, I was always shocked when someone recognized me. So when other coworkers would see that they it, it would become kind of like a joke in a way, but it was always a very uncomfortable joke at my expense. <laughs> um, but but it, but it also is weird because it obviously should be flattering. Mm -hmm. But I think whenever it takes away from your own personal experience and you feel like you have to reach someone's expectations of how you're going to interact with them or be what they want you to be, that's so much pressure. Can you talk a bit about the Golden Globes party? Yeah. Uh, well, you were there. I was there. <laughs> yeah. It was um, around awards season is when this restaurant that I worked at had tons of business like it would get bought out almost like every night for a couple weeks and uh one particular night my boss told me that buzzfeed was throwing a party and um i didn't really know it was going to be like all of the people that i had like worked side by side with or like worked with i thought it was going to be like you know people i've never seen before in the sales department with like clients and so i was like yeah i'll do it why not and it quickly became like one of the most uncomfortable nights of my life trying to like 
carry a tray of cocktails and go up to my peers basically and just serve them uh and a lot of them not even know that like i didn't work at buzzfeed the only way that i was able to feel comfortable is if i acted like nothing was wrong and i just like was hanging out with my friends and, and did like, the photo booth and yeah like, whatever and like yeah. i had a tray in my hand and i was wearing an apron but like nothing was wrong like everything was fine yeah um because it was really hard for me to yeah, I don't know. It was, and there's obviously... It's just dark. It's like the darkest yeah. scene in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a very dark scene. That is for sure. So I can't imagine not being resentful about, like, why aren't I hired here? Uh, yeah, it was a very weird... Um, my trajectory there was very weird and obviously is at the height of its weirdness. Um, but it was a very weird thing where um, I didn't have production experience so i didn't have i didn't know how to work a camera i didn't know how to edit um right but neither did allison nor i right so like some people were given that opportunity you know others you know were not it was just um yeah it was a weird trajectory and it was hard to understand what it was really about and then it makes you doubt your own talent and that's never fun yeah my theory, at least my running theory, is that a lot of times I think big companies feel that they can treat specifically women, people of color and LGBT people, employees or freelancers as expendable or less than or like you should have been grateful just to be in these videos and mm -hmm. that you would have they, they were like, well, we don't need to hire Brittany because she would have continued to be in these videos anyway because queer people and people of color and women especially don't know their worth and don't know to ask for more. Yeah, and they're like fighting to get their stories told. Right. Um, that I would have, you know, kept doing, you know, $100 a video for like, you know, two 12-hour days, you know? Like right. I probably would have kept doing that because that was the way to like get my message and my work out there. And, you know, admittedly, I am pretty outspoken and so I'm sure that wasn't like a favorable thing. <laughs> But I don't, but it was like me too. I'm also I was also not very well liked for for being outspoken, but it's like I was not being paid enough. Mm -hmm. And like I felt like I was seeing a lot of injustices and I was like, well, I mean, are you just supposed to be a drone? Like are you just supposed to be like a happy go lucky drone who like never says anything, which is very weird. Yeah, that's not um me or anyone that I want to work with. <laughs> so <laughs> so I think it was definitely hard to navigate for, yeah, like a year of like why I wasn't getting hired or what was going on. And also nobody that's watching the content and a lot of my friends or a lot of my family, a lot of people that are my peers had no idea what the fuck was going on. They just were, they just assumed that I was hired there. So people right. would ask me for jobs and I'm like, girl, I can't help. Like, I can't even like I don't even have a job there. Yeah, I mean, so do you want to um, talk a bit about, like, what's going on right now? <laughs> Am I allowed to? <laughs> I have no idea. Did you have anyone look at your contract when you first started working there full time? Of course not. You just signed it. I mean, I, th I think that my stupidity was that I trusted that this was a good idea for me because it was the thing that I had been fighting for for, like, a year, I think year, that's how they got you. I think they they strung you along and then we're like, now that we want to hire her, she'll sign anything because we've made her want it so bad. And then there was another thing that we signed when we were, which I'm sure that you heard about and that we were kind of like shamed into signing. That was like a we own your image forever. Yes. 
Which, so uh, I may be in some Japanese McDonald's commercials in about two years. <laughs> Good. I can't wait for that. I'll probably be in them, too. Yeah, exactly. That's my nightmare, that they're going to take all of the videos that I did for them, cut them together in a into of. a best of, sell it to Netflix for $2 million, not tell me and not give me any money. Well, yeah. And that's legal. I think the my biggest thing with a lot of big companies, a lot of big digital media companies, is that the contracts are exploitative. The contracts are particularly aimed at vulnerable communities that are young people who are just getting into the workforce and have never read a contract and don't and have... who don't know how it works in the entertainment industry. They don't know how it works in the entertainment industry. They don't know how much value to place on their work. They don't understand that when a company asks you to write a web series for them, that you should be making $20,000 extra for that web series because that's WJ minimum and there's no minimum. There's no digital media minimum. Mm-hmm. So you like don't think to ask for more. You're in a fear-based economy, so you're scared to do anything because they'll fire you and they made you and they can like forget you just as quickly. So it's young people who don't know to have a lawyer or a man don't have a lawyer or a manager. I mean, my mom looked at my contracts. Yeah. And even then, I would resent her for like wanting to make changes because I'd be like, "Well, if you make too many changes, they'll change their minds about hiring me." Mm-hmm. And then also, I think for people of color and for LGBT people particularly, especially in digital media, there's not a lot of jobs in mainstream Hollywood. Like people say, like diversity is such a buzzword, but there was just a study that 80% of showrunners are still white men. Yeah. So. It's funny to hear white men especially talk about like, well, there, no one wants me in the writer's room because they all want to hire diverse people. And it's like that's not backed up by the numbers. Yeah, no. It's just a thing people are saying. Yeah. So I'm like, OK, so if you're a creative person and you're a minority, you're like given a job that is a, in a creative field and you're like, I'm grateful to be here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be making, you know, in your case, like Lesbian Princess, like an LGBT series for this many eyeballs, for as many eyeballs as like a network show. And then there's not like a long term thought process of like, well, if I make this for these people, they own it forever. I don't get to take it with me. And then there's no thought process of like to protect yourself because you're made to feel grateful for your own exploitation. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And I think like by the time I got the full time contract, I was always I was already so exhausted and just like wanted to quit my restaurant job and to have a full-time job. And I trusted that my peers who I really respected, you know, like people that worked there that I really loved. I was like, okay, well we're all doing this. So it seems like like culty in a way. The whole thing is like, well, everyone signs this. That's what we were told when Allison and I first started working there. Allison's dad was like, everyone does. No, I know. And Allison's, Allison's dad was like, this contract is bonkers. And HR told us, um, well, don't worry because everyone signs it. It's to, not to a great justification. The, yeah, to all the young people out there or to people in minority groups who are taking big jobs, if they say everyone signs this, it's fine. Don't believe that. Yeah. And also I think that, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to do stuff independently. Yeah. It would have been tough for you to be making stuff on your own and also have a restaurant job. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in the restaurant jobs defense, I was writing way more frequently and for your own stuff (laughs) yeah for my own stuff okay that's what i think like a concern i have is that people then come out of these big company jobs and they don't own anything that they made in that company and then a manager goes well i have nothing you have no ip for me to sell yeah i was very inspired by Brittany nichols who's a friend of mine who friend of both of ours a friend of both (laughs) of ours uh who made a movie 
and she made it for no budget and it's like getting into all these festivals but she had to sit i mean she sat for like weeks and all she did was fill out festival waivers and fill out festival yeah. applications and it sucks and she probably lost money doing that so it's like this weird toss up of like well do i want to throw in with this company mm-hmm. i get nervous for people who are still there because i'm like it ru- it's going to fuck your career longevity i think yeah especially if you're in it for a certain amount of time that scares and me and the exclusivity and the non-competes are crazy like other places that i've seen particularly i've heard stuff about funny or die that if you sell a tv show and you work for funny or die and then the deadline headline is like funny or die writer sells tv show funny or die is like great that looks great for us well yeah i mean I don't know of any other digital media company that has that exclusivity. Correct. I th- I think that for the most part, like Funny or Die or College Humor or even like Super Deluxe, they are champions of people that have worked for them and are happy for them. And they see it that it validates their company more. That It adds someone, legitimacy. Yeah. And so for me, it's hard to understand how you wouldn't see the value in someone that works for your company. Um, do something that's really great because that only adds value to you and can bring in more people to you, like an audience that maybe they didn't know that they had. When I worked for in the journalism industry and I worked for blogs, I would work for a small news blog and then I got would get a chance to freelance for The New York Times. And the blog would be like, absolutely, go for it. Like, Yeah, that only adds legitimacy to them. Right. Now they have a New York Times writer on staff. This economist that I spoke to, we weren't specifically talking about this company, but we were talking about YouTube in general. And she said, you know, no place has to treat you right if they have a thousand people lined up for your job behind you. Yeah. I don't think that that's true. I think once they realize that favorites are leaving, they're underestimating the fact that fans will follow those people and that they really do care about the people in the videos and they can't Mm -hmm. just like shoehorn in new people. Although maybe, I don't know, they they got a new blonde bisexual girl as soon as I left, so. I mean, anyone that's creative is probably pretty insecure. And so... (laughs) I'm really nervous for people that work there or anywhere that I find so talented and wonderful. Like, I just hope that they know their worth and they know that, like, right. their voices can shine, you know. I mean, you somewhere. said watching the people respond to my tweet about you being fired was like being at your own funeral. Yeah, it was like being a ghost <laughs> at my own funeral where everyone was saying the nicest things. Obviously, this week has been so weird. Um, And it was just a really hugely wonderful thing for people to, like, crawl out of the woodwork to tell me that, like, they loved my work and people, like, friends, like, people that I've worked with before. You can't treat employees this way, especially creatives who build fan bases. You can't do it. I think it's very insidious that the videos are sort of rolled out in this way that it's hard to tell who no longer works there. Allison and I, I haven't worked there in a year. Allison and I still get asked, did you quit? Why aren't you in videos anymore? But it's because they could click on any video and I could be in it. Yeah. So I think it would it took a long time for people to realize like, hey, this person's not here anymore. Hey, Mm -hmm. this person's not here anymore. And I think people are scared. People who then leave or who are fired are scared to say I left or I was fired. And so I think this was like a, a blessing in the sense that like people had no idea that this was going on for, like, multitudes of people, mo- yeah. like, multiple employees. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just Instagram a picture of a fire and be, like, <laughs> selfie. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I think if, like, no one ever knew that I was on fire or <laughs> if nobody ever knew and I just stopped appearing and stuff, like, it would feel in a way, like, an injustice to, like, people that 
were maybe following me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it would or feel people like would come weird... to you and be like, why isn't Lesbian Princess being updated anymore? Did you stop caring about us? Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. I mean, even when there wasn't another episode of Lesbian Princess, like, people would reach out to me and ask, like, where it is. And I'm like, it's really not my call. Like, right. I, I wish I could. I think the most important thing, and I think people don't realize this, is that you have to own your content. Yeah. I mean, was that ever in your mind when giving away ideas or when creating stuff? You know, it was, but I know that I'm never dry of ideas. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's like, okay, you can take these ideas that I'm giving you, but you'll never, you'll never take my brain. You know, what I, like, <laughs> like, okay, getting rid of me, it doesn't mean I'm going away. It does suck that I'm leaving so many things behind. But in the moment, I wasn't thinking like, shit, I'm giving away this great idea because to me, it's like, well, I really wanted to get it made. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the rub with it. And so, yeah, I did give away like a great idea, but I also got to make a LGBT period comedy. I mean, so when I worked at the restaurant and I didn't work full time at BuzzFeed, I was like just stressed 24-7 because for me it was like, okay, I have this job where I'm making money, but anytime I'm not at the restaurant, I have to be fucking like grinding as absolutely hard as I can. And I would have like multiple meetings a day, like writer meetings a day Mm -hmm. and just write for like 12 hours, like insane. And so now I'm back in that place. Yeah, you're self-motivated. Yes. And so now I'm back in that place of I have to keep working, working, working. Otherwise, I'll feel like I'm not doing enough. And so the thing about when I was working full time, so I was working nine to six, is that there was like a clear end point of, okay, I did enough mm-hmm. creatively today so I could go home, have a beer, watch Buffy. Right. Obviously my perfect night. <laughs> but now since I'm back in the place of not knowing where my next paycheck comes or feeling like now I really have to fucking do something big that it's not going to like end for me for a while now. Like I'm not, yeah. there's not going to be like a clear end point to my day where I'm like, okay, Creatively, I have done enough. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting next couple of years. Let's just say that. (laughs) I think it's going to be very interesting what happens. The point is, is that the people at a company are your friends, but the company is not your friend. And especially if you're a marginalized person, and that means like LGBTQ, person of color, or even like a young, broke, just out of college person who this is your first job. Protect yourself. Be aware that this company is not the be all end all and value yourself and know that you deserve to be treated better than how you're being treated at these digital companies. And that's all digital companies. I think uh, it's a crime that they are not beholden to any of the unions. And that's going to go away very soon. So enjoy it while it lasts, digital companies, because you're going to have to answer to minimums. Because what you're doing is exploiting people for labor that they deserve more money for. And treating them like garbage to be tossed away. Okay. That's all. (laughs) Thanks 
Thanks for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please subscribe in iTunes and leave us a rating. And be sure to tell all your friends who are bad with money that this is the show for them. Also, feel free to tell your friends who are rich princesses, lesbian or otherwise. We're part of the Panoply Network. Our producer is Sam Dingman, Laura Mayer is Panoply's Director of Production, and Andy Bowers is our Chief Content Officer. Our engineer is Jeremy Underwood. Original music for our show is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Our show art is by Cameron Glavin. I'm Gabby Dunn, of course, and I will talk to you next time. Bye! Bye!